Welcome to The Good Night Show. I'm Shay Morrison, sleep expert and co-founder of The Good Night Co. Join me each week for hints and tips on all things sleep. Hello and welcome back to The Good Night Show. Menopause is one hot topic among our listeners and one of the questions I'm asked most frequently is how to sleep better through menopause. With our bodies dealing us hot flushes, night sweats and weight gain, menopause is something that 50% of our human population will go through and is a major cause of poor sleep in women over 50. As I begin the transition into perimenopause myself, this is an episode I've been looking forward to as I'm joined by Dr. Joanna Sharp, a menopause specialist from Juniper, to discuss all things sleeping through menopause. Joanna and I discuss why women have difficulty sleeping during menopause, how a lack of sleep can worsen menopause symptoms in a vicious cycle, and the burning question, how we can sleep better through menopause. Joe, it's so wonderful to have you here joining us on the podcast. Um, this is an episode that I have been really looking forward to and diving deep into the world of perimenopause, menopause and sleep. And the first question I love to ask is, how did you sleep last night? Thanks, Jay. It's really nice to be here. And um, I'm really glad you asked me that question, actually, because <laughs> I think it's a good introduction to what we're going to talk about today. Um, being, you know, in my mid-40s myself, I my sleep last night was probably a really good example of the sort of experience we have as perimenopausal women of lifestyle and its impact on our sleep. Yesterday I had a really busy day. My son had several activities on that we were in and out of the house for. In the evening we had a family party. So we were at my brother's house and he'd cooked this delicious spicy curry. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was some champagne and rosé and then we had this delicious chocolate cake. So (laughs) possibly all those things, I'm not sure which one most importantly, but probably all of them came together to mean that I fell asleep well, but I woke up. I didn't look at the time, but it was probably about 3 a.m. And it was really pouring here. So that's probably what woke me. Um, It was very loud rain outside. But, yeah, then my mind was just busy and I, yeah, couldn't really quieten it back down again. And most likely the impact of the alcohol, the sugar, the spicy food and just, you know, busy life, yes, all kind of came together. Um, So, yeah, it probably wasn't my best sleep, but... I would say for me, one important thing that I always do that helps in the morning is to get up. I have a little routine in the morning where I meditate and then I do yoga. And I think that just helps to whatever's happened with sleep, it just brings it together. Absolutely. And I, and I love that you've shared, um, shared that story because I think that it's um, a very accurate one of what goes on for a lot of people um, regularly. And, you know, when we look at sleep, it's the third pillar of, of health and, but we don't always get it right, but we can definitely strive towards doing that. Um, and I think that, you know, as you've pointed yes. out, there's, there's a whole combination of things there that, that may have led to a, a disrupted sleep. And it's really identifying those individually and working out, you know, for yourself, how to avoid those on a regular basis so that you can try and get that good sleep. Mm, Absolutely. And And I think uh, it's just about recognizing, yeah, just stopping and recognizing so that you can, you know, change your routines as you go along. 
Yeah, and not beating yourself up about it, not getting too stressed. Like obviously you didn't get really worried and think, oh, you know, this is you just had your morning routine that you could go to and put that practice into place, which then allows you to move on and at least try and have a a good day because that's what we're we're striving for really is, is to get us through so that we've got that good day ahead of us. Yes, exactly. And what I'd love you to to cover off, because I think that there's some, um, you know, a little bit of misconception around menopause in some ways um, and what the difference is, you know, menopause is definitely a conversation that's happening broadly in the community these days more than ever. I, I don't know mm. if you're experiencing that. I'm sure you are in your practice. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to see. It's fantastic because as we um, chatted about previously before we press record that it is something that 50% of the population is going to go through in their life so it's a pretty important topic to talk about we just yeah we don't stop and take stock enough at this point in our life we don't recognize the importance of hormones they're very powerful Absolutely. And and maybe you can share with um, the listeners around the difference between perimenopause and menopause. Sure. So I think uh, we almost think about menopause as this big overarching term that covers, you know, this whole period between sort of 40 and 60. But actually menopause is just a point in time and it's that point where you have your final menstrual period, which at the time you won't even know because it's not until you've then had 12 months of no periods that you say, oh, I'm now post-menopausal. I've been through my year of no periods. And that last period back there, that was menopause. Uh, perimenopause is probably the more accurate term of that transitional stage that occurs um, anywhere from four to eight years in the lead up to that final period. And it's a time where your hormonal changes are primarily due to the reduction in estrogen. So as your ovarian function starts to go down and you have reduced estrogen in your system, you will notice changes in your body related to that. And there are many different symptoms related to the loss of estrogen in our system. And can some people slide on through without any symptoms or is that is that particularly yeah, rare? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, that common. It's probably about 20 to 25% of women will yeah. just sail through menopause and say, oh, it actually wasn't that big a deal. You know, I coped okay with whatever mild symptoms I had, but... Basically, my my period stopped, and then I felt fine. So yeah. there's definitely some women, but that's that's you know the other eighty percent yeah. will say, oh no, it was something, and I <laughs> I definitely went through it. And of those, um, about twenty five percent will say it was horrendous, and particularly with the hot flushes, they were you know debilitating. And for some of them, will go on into their sixties and seventies. So you do get women who are called super flushes. Yeah, is that, oh, that's the terminology, is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there's, there's poor women who, yeah, it's just, you know, it's debilitating how much they have hot flushes day and night and how much it impacts their life. So they will often come in to see us to seek help. And and is there a particular, you know, we, we talk about the some of the symptoms being the hot flushes, night sweats, um, weight gain, moodiness, irritability. Is there, do you find that there's a particular symptom that that is higher or is it is it an individual experience that, that tends to happen? It's fairly individual in terms of the combination of symptoms, but mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest ones is those vasomotor symptoms. Uh, and most of the symptoms of menopause and perimenopause, you can 
tie back to that reduction in estrogen. So as the estrogen drops off, it will impact a number of organs and tissues in your system. So the vasomotor ones essentially show that there is an impact on your blood vessels and you will therefore experience symptoms like hot flushes, um, night sweats, and also vascular migraines in some women. So Mm. effectively the drop in estrogen causes those blood vessels to go a bit bananas really and you get surges of blood and sort of irregular patterns and that causes those symptoms. Yeah, because that's certainly, you know, the the big concern that we hear the most from our customers is around trying to find that solution to help with those hot flushes Um, and that that seems to be the thing that's waking them up generally at night time or not allowing them to get a good night's sleep yes absolutely Uh, we know that the hot flushes are a big driver for the disruption to sleep because yeah trying to sleep when your body is just you know boiling hot is really difficult and sometimes it doesn't matter how much external you know fans or air conditioning you put on it's it's almost like they've got this inner furnace that's just you know burning pulsating with (laughs) yeah heat yeah and what would you recommend for those people so you know you're obviously you have have such a wide and deep um background in women's health and you're now um, part of this wonderful brand Juniper and so I know that you've got products and services available through Juniper and what what are some of the things that you would recommend around particularly around the hot flushes for women that are really suffering? Mm. We know that uh, the most effective treatment for hot flushes and night sweats um, and can also aid in sleep is the systemic hormonal therapy so it's called menopausal hormonal therapy used to be known as hrt yeah um and we know that in women who are under 60 and within 10 years of their menopause it is for the majority of them safe to start that and we would look to continue it for up to five years and then start weaning and see whether their symptoms return Mm -hmm. Um, in some women it's so life-changing to take hormonal therapy that they're very reticent to come off it even at that five-year mark but right. uh, working alongside your doctor you know obviously we can look at the safest options and trial weaning uh, we know that it's generally safer to have the estrogen through your skin so that would be in patches and gels yeah um, and the progesterone orally um, and we know that there are obviously some contraindications so for women who have had a blood clot in the past in their legs or their lungs who would need mm-hmm. to be extra cautious if they've had a stroke, a heart attack, um, if their blood pressure is uncontrolled, if they've had a hormone-dependent cancer in the past, that might be ovarian or breast cancer. Yeah. Uh, if they've got undiagnosed abnormal vaginal bleeding, we need to be looking into that first. Um, right. Uh, if there's a very high breast cancer risk, say, in their family or they're known to have a, a breast cancer gene yep. um, and then some other conditions like significant liver disease. So there's certainly some contraindications. Sure. But uh, we we definitely are moving back towards, you know, using menopausal hormonotherapy Uh, more in women who are suffering with these symptoms. Yeah, because I feel that there was such negativity around HRT, well, when it was, you know, referred to as HRT for a period of time. But that seems that that there's been a shift in, in is what you're saying around the technology that's available. Yes, there was about 20 years ago, there was a large study that came out of the US that um, looked at 
a large number of women, but not all of them the ideal candidate for uh, what was known as HRT then. So yeah. many of them were in that over 60-year-old cohort or they mm. may have had significant risk factors in terms of their weight or smoking. Yeah. So, in fact, on reanalysis of the statistics, so going back through those studies, um, we do believe that it's safe within 10 years and to review that at five and that the benefits of systemic hormonal therapy actually outweigh the risks in most healthy peri and postmenopausal women younger mm. than 60. So, yeah, so most doctors will now recognise that it's actually safer than we had previously thought and it was just unfortunate at the time that the media really ran with yeah. some of the stories and made it sound very scary. And it's also unfortunate that as a woman, our lifetime risk of having breast cancer is about one in seven. Mm. So the background risk, regardless of what you do, <laughs> is already pretty high. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the caution there is, you know, if you were to get breast cancer, how would you know? Was it yeah. something that was going to happen anyway? Yeah. Or is it because you took the HRT? And I suppose women, you know, are terrified of something like that happening and then feeling like they've done the wrong thing. Yeah. And, you know, I've spoken with lots of women recently, you know, in the last 12 to 18 months who are taking, um, you know, the new therapy and uh, are having amazing results, you know, have really gone from struggling mm. terribly um, and just, you know, t feeling terrible, moody, restless, um, weight gain, yeah. all of, you know, terrible symptoms to now feeling absolutely amazing and saying that, you know, yeah. this is just, it is quite life-changing for them really. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it sounds so simple, but really, you know, the, the biggest change in that period of time is the estrogen dropping off. Yeah. And uh, it, as I said before, it does impact on so many of our organs. It's not just those vascular symptoms. It's also um, musculoskeletal, you know, joint pain, muscle pain, skin symptoms where they get dryness or itch of the skin, mm. um, urogenital symptoms, so vaginal dryness and needing to get up to go to the toilet more often, um, and then the psychological impact as well of your estrogen going down, which seems to impact on your serotonin and also your melatonin mm. um, and therefore it leads on to symptoms like anxiety and depression, memory changes, sleep impact. So um, often by just taking that one, you know, hormone, estrogen, yeah. you can see a change in so many symptoms and systems. Yeah. And and I guess that leads perfectly into really looking at sleep in in a you know on the spotlight of all of this and and mm. um you know so I guess that as you mentioned before so some of those things can happen where you know some of the things that are happening is that that it can affect melatonin you know melatonin being um the hormone that we need to feel sleepy and to help us with sleep. Mm -hmm. So is there something that women can do, you know, other than looking and speaking further with their GP around some medication that might work for them? Are there some other things mm. that you could recommend for women around this phase in their life and sleep? Yeah, I think it's really important to recognise that it is multifactorial. So I think each individual woman needs to look at what is going on for her and what are the factors that are playing into it. Unfortunately, there's not a one size fits all for everyone to treat their their sleep problems so and often even if you were to just say give them melatonin if you're not looking in a holistic way at all of the things that are playing 
into their sleep problems, then uh, the melatonin pretty soon is not really going to be enough to fix the ongoing sleep concerns. So Mm. I think stress is a really big one. Mm. And I think it just happens to be that this is a time of your life where it's sort of cumulative in terms of the pressures you know, on on a woman at this point in their yes. life, they've got yeah. you know often family pressures, work pressures, financial relationship. Um, there's that whole notion of you know also being in the sort of sandwich generation where you're not only caring for children but also elderly parents. Mm. Um, so looking at stress management is crucial because yeah. the stress will increase your cortisol levels and impact on your mood, and those will then impact on your ability to sleep and often those women will wake up you know that early morning waking where they're just lying there thinking through all the millions of things they need to get done <laughs> yeah. yeah yes I can relate to that <laughs> yes so I think it is yeah so looking at stress management and one of the things you can do that really helps stress is exercise because that does mm. help you to offload some of that excess cortisol and adrenaline exercise also helps with things like weight management uh, which we know helps to reduce symptoms like hot flushes um, and there are things obviously in lifestyle in terms of you know reducing caffeine alcohol sugar nicotine so there's definitely lots of non-medical things lifestyle changes that can be helpful and a lot of people it's hard to hear all of this because you know it, it all sounds very doom and gloom doesn't it <laughs> the the things yeah. that, that could be going on but i think that by starting small seeking some advice and juniper is an amazing platform that is able you know where people can connect um virtually so that is i guess mm. the 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 part of the business i think which is amazing because you can help anybody anywhere they don't need to make an appointment and physically drive somewhere and you know for anybody that's living in rural or remote areas it's fantastic as well um and maybe you can talk a little bit more about um that experience so you know people can connect online have that support team and you can also put together a personalized plan for them and how they can go through this phase in their life yeah so i mean often with new companies and startups often you're not even really sure what it is that you are creating until you're in the thick of it and it's been really rewarding for me as one of the gps working on the platform with juniper to see how it allows that consultation to be uh sort of meted out in a really natural way that allows a woman to access the information she needs at the right time so i think in comparison if you think about going in to see your gp or even going to see a gynecologist or endocrinologist about your hot flushes for example or your sleep disturbance related to that you know you have your 15 to 30 minute consultation and you can present your problems and then you can you know, often receive a lot of information in a small space of time. And Mm. really the end point would be to close that consult out with, okay, so here's what we're going to do, here's your script. And for me, being the doctor at the other end of that consultation, uh, I, I feel it's just a lot to try and fit in and do well, whereas working on an online consultation platform like Juniper means the patient initially fills out a questionnaire. So we've got all the crucial information that we need. That would include some of those contraindications, for example, um, to having a hormonal treatment option. Off that base, I can then ask all the salient questions that I need to know or drill down further on certain things that sound like they're a big problem. And I can 
give the patient information that is scientifically backed to help them decide which way they want to go. Mm. I use a lot of the uh, patient information sheets that come from the Australian Menopause Society, which is menopause.org.au, and um, they're really clearly written and helpful and supportive, I think, for women going through a lot of these changes and, and experiencing these symptoms. So they, they can then take their time. So once I've sent them that information, they can take time to digest it. They can come back with more questions. Um, our, our type of consulting is known as asynchronous text-based consulting, which okay. effectively means it's not like when you go onto a website and there's a pop-up mm, you know, yeah. little widget helping you. <laughs> it's more of a when, when we're online, we'll answer the questions. When yeah. you're online, you can come back to us with more questions or, yeah. you know, say which way you want to go occasionally we'll both be online at the same time so I'll ask a question and then a few minutes later their answer will come back and we'll go from there but and certainly our fallback is always a phone call so if if the patient's just a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of information or really not sure which way to go or they've got some complexity I'll always offer a phone call to have a chat Brilliant. And you were saying as well that um, there's a really nice community that's happening around it as well so that you're building that community where it might not always be doctors answering those questions, but people can yeah. ask other people. Is that? Yeah. So yeah. I think that our our parent company, Eucalyptus, has done this very well in one of their other companies, which is called Software and it's at Skincare. Um, and we create a Facebook page where patients can go on there to discuss their current experience with their symptoms. And um, I think that this will work really well for women going through perimenopause and the symptoms that they're experiencing and sort of bouncing off other women and just really helping to normalise it. Because I often say this, but there's just not a time in our life where we stop and learn about menopause. We know from other experiences in life that hormones really are powerful. We know that, uh, you know, teenagers that are going through puberty often experience a lot of, you know, uh, unsettling experiences with their behaviour and mood. Um, But usually you would learn a skin exactly. Usually you'd learn about that at school. There's at least some exposure to the concept of, puberty and what that means and how it is you know it is pretty marked and you know your body's going to change yeah likewise with the changes that can occur during pregnancy and after pregnancy women talk about this during their antenatal care and uh, with their caregivers during their pregnancy and generally speaking they're aware that there can be problems particularly after the baby is born with the significant fluctuation in hormones and how that can impact their mood in particular and cause conditions like postnatal depression. But there's not really a time for menopause where we stop and recognise the impact that those hormones can have and how that's going to feel for you and impact your life at that point. So for many women, it comes as a bit of a rude shock. Absolutely. And I think that there's obviously a lot more information coming through now, but what what you're doing is is absolutely amazing because it's allowing that conversation to happen and for people to feel that they're not alone and that this is real um, and but there is support out there so that they can maybe transition through this period a little um, less painfully. As we mentioned before we, we pressed record, that this can also be such an amazing time in people's lives where you're in your mid-40s um, to late 40s where you're feeling that you've really got this under control potentially, um, you mm. know, 
you're a lot wiser, you know, that you, you're in a, a very different stage to when you were in your 20s or 30s. So, um, you know, if we can turn some of this into a real positive, then it, it could be a really fantastic period for people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we have this very negative connotation around the word middle age or the words middle-aged um, and in fact it's really not the worst thing to think well I'm 45 and I've done all of this stuff so far and I've got another you know hopefully another 45 years left it's pretty amazing how much I might be able to do in that time and it's also a really good time to stop and think about you know optimizing my health and making sure that you know I eat well and sleep well and exercise regularly and you know enjoy social interactions and all those healthy things that just you know will lay the foundation for the next half of our life and now it's time for a quick break are you having trouble putting your anxious thoughts to rest calm your worried mind with our calm drops Using a combination of naturally derived ingredients, our calm drops have been scientifically formulated to create a sense of calm and relieve feelings of restlessness and anxiety throughout your day. Just eight drops under the tongue when you feel stressed or anxious can help allow your mind and body to relax and for your nerves to calm. We're offering our listeners 20% off their next purchase of our Calm Drops with the discount code PODCAST20. Try them today. Available at thegoodnightco.com.au. One of the questions that I wanted to touch on quickly before we um, have to wrap up, Joe, was around, you know, um, we had a, through our closed Facebook community, somebody reached out, we put some, you know, if anybody had any questions that they wanted answered. And one of them was around, um, you know, sharing um, a bed with their partner and how this just mm. feels harder now while they're in this um, perimenopause stage, simply really mm. because they are experiencing hot flushes. And is that something that you um, are finding, you know, through your through your discussions and things? And what 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 I mean, apart from obviously having mm. rooms, is there, mm. is there another way to look at that? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely a big issue for um, relationships, and uh, some women will notice that their partner is, you know, completely unaware or you know just not experiencing the same thing that they are as they go through. Um, these hormonal shifts and particularly with the heat that they can generate at night time, um, trying to work out, you know, just troubleshooting how they can sleep better or sleep yeah, as well as their partner ideally. Um, and I think it is things like, uh, you know, that you can now buy doonas where one side is lighter than the other or you can yeah. obviously put electric blankets on one side so you know, the partner who's not having, not suffering with issues to, due to menopause um, or perimenopause, you know, they can keep warm whilst the other person can hopefully enjoy, you know, the air conditioning or the fan. Um, there are little tips and tricks like, you know, keeping an ice pack sort of under the, or one of those cold gel packs under yeah. your pillow. So when you're feeling really hot, you can turn your pillow over, at least you've got a nice cool pillow against your face. Um, obviously, yeah, really light breathable fabrics so you know cotton you know 90s or pajamas and sheets so just breathable and light is really the, the key but yeah it's it is about just looking at what's changed and what you can change to help 
you know, support that period of time. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. And are there any other last sort of tips around what you think that um, people should be doing during this phase? Even just one thing that you think is really important for anybody in this perimenopause stage? I think a really big thing is to talk. Talk to your girlfriends about it. Talk to your mum about what hers was like, your sister's uh, I think we just really want to encourage people to talk more and normalise it and understand that everyone's perimenopause, you know, may be slightly different, but we're all going through it and um, supporting one another through that time. And that that's how you get these, you know, great little ideas like the cold gel pack under your pillow is, yeah. you know, from a friend who's tried that and it worked well for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that because, you know, it is it is a topic that is no different to talking about periods, you know, um, fertility, pregnancy. It is it is exactly the same. So it is certainly something that can yes. be um, discussed and shared. So that's a beautiful tip. So I know that, you know, you're available through Juniper. Um, so that's juniper.com. So it's actually myjuniper.com. My yeah, myjuniper.com. Yes. We'll, we'll yeah, so we've got a really great group of GPs working on the platform and all of our work is overseen by Dr. Baber, who's a very well-respected gynaecologist and has worked a lot in menopause. Beautiful. And, you know, if anybody wants to find out a little bit more about it, we'll put some information in the show notes. But it is a, a very comprehensive platform, I think a fantastic place for people to start um, while they're on this journey. And if you're somebody that's, you know, already going through the, the process of it um, and you need more help, maybe jump over there. But if you're somebody who's in their, you know, late 30s or early 40s and, and want to educate yourself, it's also a really good place to start. But I, I love also mm. that the menopause.org.au has some fantastic fact sheets as well. So that's a, a great reference. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you great. so much for sharing your time today. It has been absolutely fantastic to talk to you and learn a little bit more about what's going on in this space. Um, oh, thank you, Shay, and you too. Amazing. So thank you very much. Lovely to chat to you. Thank you for listening to The Good Night Show. If you're keen to learn more about our guests or any of the topics we've spoken about today, hop on over to the Good Night Co. closed Facebook community group or check us out at thegoodnightco.com.au. And if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast provider by searching The Good Night Show. And if you love what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a glowing review. Thanks, everyone.